CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer during this Christmas week. Pray that you've gotten all your presents bought and everything. You know, we're all going to be gathered around, a lot of friends and relatives uh, the next few days, and I just want to encourage you, let your light shine. You know, uh, the world is getting darker by the minute, and um, we see distortion in almost every avenue that we can find. And I just want to let you know that the truth that lies within you, that hope of glory, God has put in you to be a testimony for such a time as this. And so I just want to encourage you, let your light shine. Because, you know, you think, ah, nobody's going to care what I think. Nobody's going to care what I say. Much more than you think they do. Because there's no answers anywhere else. You know, I've shared this yesterday. Shared it on Sunday morning. You hear all over uh, the Democrat Party screaming for Israel to cease fire, the United Nations to cease fire. Uh, You hear that uh, 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 to Benjamin Netanyahu in Israel, cease fire, cease fire. You see the American news media and Newsweek and all the other uh, um, outlets, um, media and all. You don't hear one plea to Hamas to surrender. And they're the ones who started the war, everyone. And by the way, the Palestinians are who voted in Hamas as their government. Now remember, we're getting sold a cheap bill of goods from all these people. They're not telling the truth. They can't tell the truth because it doesn't fit their agenda. Again, where is the demand for Hamas to surrender? They started the war. Hey, if I was Benjamin Netanyahu... I wouldn't stop until every last one of them are gone. Here's why. Because you see, we didn't start the war. They did. And so when these demands are placed upon Bibi Netanyahu to um, uh, cease fire and your butchers, and don't believe a word of it. That's all a lie, all propaganda. And as we see generated from Harvard University and these other universities at large, it just fills out their complete and total ignorance or their willful their willful propaganda because they're not telling people the truth. I think it's really important as we look at that. Joining me today, we have special guests with us. Featured CSN speaker comes on an hour before to every man and answer. John Randall and a daily walk. And thank you so much, John, for taking part of your busy day, being part of us today. Hi and welcome. Hey, Mike, great to be back with you on this Christmas week. I can't believe it. It came so fast and just yes. excited to celebrate the birth of our king and glad to be here with you and the CSN family today. What's your take on uh, no demand from anyone for Hamas to surrender when you start a war? Uh, that would be the normal thing that you would expect from the United Nations or or the propaganda from the American news media not a word. What's your take, your thoughts? Well, I believe it's just things are shaping up the way the Bible says, Mike, that they're going to shape up in the sense that at some point, and it's already happening, and this anti-Semitic push and hatred for Israel, one day all the nations 
are going to be against Israel. And and it's fascinating to me that they could be – I mean, I, I kind of put it in, in the text of if that happened here, if that happened in the United States, if we um, went through that and, and suffered the same things that they did in Israel, what would we be doing? It's amazing how we can tell – and these other countries in the United Nations are telling them to – to put their weapons down and to cease fire, but but what if that happened to to them? It's just it's unthinkable. But again, I think it's just the way that things are going. They're they are going to be a heavy stone for the nations. They they are going to, as the Bible says, they're going to turn against them. And that's because God has a plan for Israel. And in the meantime, we do what the psalmist said in Psalm one twenty two. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem and may they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. I mean, this is this is what we're praying for. Um, but we know ultimately, Mike, that peace will not come to that land until the Prince of Peace comes again. Amen. And uh, so, like I say, work for the night is coming when no one can work. 8888, Ask CSN is the number to call. If you have a question today, so many things to ask questions about, but we'll do our very best to give you what the Bible has to say about those particular things that I think concern so many of us. Anywhere from what lies in the future to well, this appears to be a contradiction in the Bible. What do you say? That's why we're here for you every weekday afternoon at this time for an hour. So we want to just encourage you to give us a call. We've got a couple lines open, 8888-ASK-CSN. Number to call. You can be part of the program. And with that, John, let's go ahead and go to Leon, Wyoming. Hi, and welcome. Yeah, hi, Mike. Um, I had a question about in the book of Acts where Peter was um, – in a trance and the blanket come down from heaven with all the yes. different kinds of beasts. So I know you say sometimes, you know, you take the Bible literal, but I do know also know there are messages in there. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering your take on, so did he mean that all things are clean now, or was that just a metaphor for the, uh, well, no, because it, it actually says, God says, I'm, Peter says, I've never eaten anything unclean. And God spoke to him and said, don't call unclean what I've cleansed. And so um, I think we need to be careful of that. When the Bible changed that particular dietary law, John, your thoughts? Well, you know, that whole section of scripture there, Leon, you know, Peter, just to set the context for the listeners, Peter is up on the roof there at the home of Simon Tanner. And uh, he's waiting. It's about lunchtime. And he has this vision, as you mentioned, of a white sheet filled with animals that were, you know, typically unclean and ceremonially, Levitically unclean for Jews to eat. And Peter hears the Lord say, rise, kill and eat. And he just immediately says, hey, I've never, as Mike said, I've never eaten anything unclean. And Jesus said, hey, listen, what I have cleansed, don't call common. And this happened more than once for emphasis. So Peter has this vision. Suddenly there's a knock at the door and the Lord said, hey, there's a couple of guys at your door. I want you to go with them doubting nothing. And so it turns out these guys are Gentiles and they tell Peter about this man named Cornelius. So Peter goes with them in obedience to the Lord and unbeknownst to him, Cornelius had been seeking the Lord and and the Lord said to send for Peter and the door for the first time is going to be opened up to the Gentiles. So Peter, which again was Levitically unclean and and ritualistically wrong, goes into Cornelius's home and kind of prefaces all of his statements. And as he's talking, suddenly the spirit of God comes upon those in Cornelius's house and they are baptized with the spirit. They're born again. And as this continues to unfold, Peter comes to this realization and almost like he answers his own question because you get to Acts chapter 10 and you get down to verse 34 and Peter opened his mouth and he said, 
In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness and accepted by him, the word which he sent, the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. And basically, Peter comes to the realization, oh, that whole vision about unclean and clean, of course, you know, not just about animals, but it has to do with the Gentiles were considered unclean. The gospel wasn't open to them. And Jesus said, listen, what I've cleansed, don't you call common. And so Peter comes to this. It's amazing how the Lord showed him it, Mike. And then later on, he comes to the realization of what that vision actually meant. And I just think how interesting it is when God does that in our lives. He shows us something. We don't really know exactly what it is. We start walking it out. And then when we get to the other side, of, we're thinking, oh, that is how that connects. Now it makes sense. But Peter had to walk it out by faith. Amen. So I hope that answers it for you. No, it does. No, I was just uh, having a debate with a friend of mine, and and you know she was she's a little older, and she's like, well, no, that's only just for the Gentiles. That when God uh, gave us uh, a way to be with Him, and it has nothing to do with uh, food at all or animals, we're still not supposed to eat, not to eat anything unclean. And He's the same as always that she would say, and He never changes. And I'm thinking, well, you know. I, no, the Bible clearly the Bible clearly tells us that is not the case. And uh, again, when we want to rewrite Scripture, we're going to have a lot of problems in doing that. Because here's why. Now all of a sudden, righteousness is generated by me because I don't eat pork. Because I don't eat certain kinds of, of, of dietary commands. I am now the source of righteousness because I don't eat certain kind of meat. And because I worship on Saturday, now I am the source of righteousness. No longer Christ. Oh no, we don't need him now. We will generate our own righteousness by keeping the Ten Commandments, by keeping, and the Bible says, the commandments were the schoolmaster that brought us to Christ. If you fail in one, you failed in all. We are righteous only by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We are clothed in his righteousness. That's our source of holiness. Not because I don't eat pork or worship on Sunday or some other day of the week. No, what makes us holy is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and love your neighbor as yourself. And here it is, upon these two, Hang all the law and the prophets. Wow. So really, God never changed. What God did is clarify certain things, and again, for the Gentiles and for the Jew as well. Now, if a person is convicted over eating bacon, then don't eat it. I think many people would probably be much healthier personally if they didn't eat, well, at least the sodium nitrate in pork, I, I, I guess about six months ago in Europe, they banned sodium nitrate uh, in, uh, in uh, uh, preserved meat like sausage, uh, pepperoni, uh, all these different kinds of things. And if you're listening and you have stomach problems, um, I stopped eating that. Uh, and man, I'll tell you, my health got a lot better. Sodium nitrate, whatever it does to the meat to preserve it, does not do good things to your gizzard. And so just a little heads up on that. But that's not the pork. And uh, again, if the Bible says, 
something and you're convicted by it, won't eat pork. But don't say that because somebody else does, they're more right. I'm more holy than they are because look what I do versus what they do. No, we're only holiness comes from Christ. Hope that helps, Leon. It does. Thank you. God bless you. And uh, stay online. We'll send you out some books. Uh, the movie Jesus, based on the book of Luke. I think you'll really enjoy it. Great for Christmas time. Hopefully you'd get it by then. So we'll get those out to you. Merry Christmas to you. Let's go to Victor, Thomasville, Georgia. I welcome. Sir, I got two quick questions. It's okay with you. Yeah. Um, my question is, the first one is, why do the, the secular society always attack the young people? Yeah, they don't, want to be, they don't get persecution with it to the older Christians, like somebody in their 80s or 70 years old. And also, the was the, the society always uh, accept the Pope? They don't they don't give them persecution. You know that. You know what I mean? They don't they don't attack the the, the, the Catholic Church. Uh, you know, like like they do with the regular pastors and Christians. Why is that? Well, now, so so, well, here's part of the problem. The Catholic Church has strongly veered from the Bible. Many Catholics are very very upset with the declaration of the Pope over the weekend that now they will bless homosexual unions. Now, they won't conduct them, but they will bless them against what the Bible teaches, against what Jesus Christ taught. And I don't care how much of a vicar you think you are to override what Jesus says the Old Testament was. uh, I believe that, again, this shows that um, you can no longer follow uh, the doctrines of the Catholic Church, period. Now, I think it's very serious. I don't believe the Pope really realizes how confrontational he is now t- to the Word of God. And so these are problems. If I was a Catholic, I would I would depart now, uh, simply based upon the statements that were made that th- the Catholic Church will bless a homosexual union. Uh, friends, that is apostate, Read Romans chapter 1. Read the book of Genesis concerning Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, Jesus himself spoke about this. So one of the things Jesus said, shortest sermon in the Bible, remember Lot's wife. When she turned around because her heart was still in Sodom, and she turned around to look at the destruction of the fire and brimstone that was falling upon Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sexual practice. No pope, nobody anywhere has any right to change the Bible at that level, at any level. Your thoughts, John? I would agree with you. I think uh, it's unbiblical. It's doctrines of demons. It's false teaching. It's heresy, and it should be avoided at all costs. And and I think you could have departed much earlier than this statement from the pope. I mean, if you go just to Catholic doctrine and what they teach, that is contrary to Scripture— if it's contrary to the word of God, then it is not to be followed or believed. But I think many people, sadly, are not spending time in the word of God to know the difference. And so um, I think that's really concerning. But this is just another um, obvious departure from sola scriptura, from scripture being the source of truth and God's word. And listen, you're blessing it today. You, you've, you've given the green light for them to bless. It's only till tomorrow or the next week before you actually are doing the ceremonies yourself. And this is just another incremental step, just closer to uh, darkness, just overtaking um, 
and and that's that's just another step that they're going to take. It doesn't stop with the blessing. That that's the open door into the next step, which will be performing the ceremonies, which is the next step where you could end up having, you know, obviously bishops and or priests who are also homosexual and overseeing uh, the Eucharist, etc. That's that's just where it's going. And like it is in other Lutheran, et cetera, other, others that are, are part of that particular sect, um, who, who are that progressive and liberal, uh, take on, on, uh, the church. And so, Mike, it's, it's unfortunate. It's sad, but th- these are the last days. Jesus said it's going to get darker. And one of the things that he said is going to be a sign of his coming is false teachers. And we see them around us. And there are many. Hope that helps. All right. Thank you. Oh, the second question is, what do you think about when a Christian, for example, get because somebody, somebody Christian's sin was exposed, supposedly a pastor revealed it, and then if a church has to go to, then the lady in the church, she said, you know, to the pastor, that's why like small churches can now we know who's who. Now, in other words, basically she thinks she's so self-righteous, you know, because somebody else's sin was exposed. But yet, you know, that person's got a, a tongue of looking so bone constricted, like a gossip a lot about other people or, or, or the very person who since was exposed. So what do you think about Christians like that, have that, that, that kind of behavior, that attitude, that, that they think they're so self-righteous? Well, Jesus talked about that. He said, don't worry about the speck in your brother's eyes when you got a plank in your own. And I think this is what we're finding wholesale across everywhere now. And the reason why people do this I believe is self-justification. Well, look how good I am. I'm not as bad as you. Um, Well, the problem is, is that their sin is more outrageous and grievous. People say, well, I'm sure glad I don't sin like you do. No, but you certainly sin like you do. And see, this is the problem. When we realize something, we're all sinners saved by grace. There's none righteous, no, not one. I believe this is why we have to go back to what the Bible says, humble ourselves before the Lord, and really realize that it's there by the grace of God, go I. And if God shows you the sin in somebody else's life, it isn't so you can sit there, point at that person, and ridicule them, and mock them. The Bible says if you see a brother overtaken in a fault, you go to him privately. And what that means is not, hey, brother, I see you're sinning. Well, what it means is that, hey, I see you're having a hard time. I'm here to help you get out of your sin. You know, if you're shacked up with your girlfriend and and you know what's wrong, come live with me for a while. Um, If you see somebody hurting in some way, you don't go up and make fun of them. You go there to rescue them and bless them. That's what the Bible talks about. Oh, well, you see, in the body of Christ, I'm the finger of accusation. Well, no, you're not. And that's something I think everybody needs to understand. We're all bozos on this bus. And the Bible says we have to be very careful. And when we go to try to mention somebody's sin to somebody, the Bible says to examine yourself first. The last thing you want is to walk up to somebody and say, well, bro, I see you're smoking weed, dude. And he looks at you and says, well, you're shacked up with your girlfriend. You see, this is the problem. When we realize we're here as a family to help one another be more like Jesus, and as John said, to love one another, 
I believe that's the whole bottom line. Pastor John, your thoughts? Yeah, I would just say in light of that, you know, Galatians 6.1, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, seek to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, as you said, Mike, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And uh, whether your church is a large church or a small church, listen, the church is full of people. There isn't a perfect church. Someone told me one time, Mike, if I found a perfect church, I shouldn't go there because I'd probably ruin it. So I just think there's there's just people in churches that are imperfect and they all fall short and um, of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. And um, yes, we, we don't, we don't um, gloss over sin. We don't excuse it. We're not like the Corinthians saying, oh, it's fine. Continue to live in sin. Um, but we also are mindful of the fact that people stumble and fall. And if they repent and confess their sin, they can be restored. They can be healed and God can work. So I think it's important for us to keep that in mind in the body of Christ. Um, we all need Jesus. We all need the Lord. And I'm so thankful that, uh, for that. So my prayer is that uh, that answers it for you, does it? Yes, sir, it does. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Well, God bless you, Victor. Stay online. We'll send you out books, DVDs. And with that, Merry Christmas. Let's go to Ernest. Fort Worth, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, my my question is more of an observation that I really, I don't always hear, you know, obviously on the mainstream media, you never hear it. And then very few times out on the radio waves, which is also part of the mainstream. But anyway, uh, everybody's pushing for, you know, Israel to stop this war, just like you were saying earlier with uh, uh, the United Nations and all entities that are you know jumping up and saying something about this and yet nobody's saying anything about russia and ukraine that war's been going on for over two years now and you never hear anybody pushing to have them stop doing that you know uh, I, I know uh, I, i've always heard i don't know that it's true that a, a lot of the israeli people the jewish people were and, and at one point were living in in the ukraine before they started venturing back to their homeland in Israel, but you certainly aren't hearing anybody tell Russia to stop their war. That thing's been going on for two years, and we're not two months into what's going on over in Israel right now, and everybody's up in arms. Oh, yeah, and that and that Ukraine war is financially bleeding the United States dry. Uh, and I'm amazed that we will travel clear over to the Ukraine to stop communism. Meanwhile, you have Bernie Sanders, an avowed socialist communist, spend his honeymoon in Russia. Nobody says anything about that. No, we elect him into the, into our Congress. And this is where they're all, they're all festering right now. All this stuff about, about taking away your guns and doing away with the Constitution and freedom of speech, only freedom of speech if we like what you're saying. If we don't like what you're saying, well, you'll be squelched. You'll be banned from Facebook and all the other social medias that are out there, all this kind of crazy stuff. That's what communism is. And yet these are the people that are voting for it. Hey, if they cared about crime... You would shut down the southern border. Do you know Joe Biden shut down a rail system so it would it would facilitate more people crossing the border? I just read the story. Yeah, in other words, they're not going to run railroad uh, rail cars over the the tracks so more people can cross the border illegally. This guy's a treasonist. Everyone, you don't do this to any nation. There is something extremely evil. I don't believe it's Joe. I believe whoever is controlling the teleprompter that he reads 
is who's the president. And none of us in America really know who that is, do we? No, Joe doesn't even know how to walk off of the stage. I I feel bad for him. But he's not the one that's dictating the mandate that we're all having to suffer under right now. The worst inflation since 1948. And then I read in the liberal news, oh, inflation is getting better. No, it's not, friends. It's not coming back. When you have inflation higher than the banks are paying, your interest rates are not going to come down very much, at least not for very long. And so when we understand really what's going on here, that we're all just being blood dry. If they cared about crime, they'd stop the fentanyl pouring across the border. The hardened criminals, the terrorists that they know are crossing our border right now as we speak. They don't know who's coming across the border. And you know, when you stop to think we got about 80 million illegal people in the United States right now, We don't have the infrastructure in America to handle this. Oh, look at the GNP, they brag. Look at how how everything is going. We have a robust economy. Yeah, all those people are buying uh, refrigerators and vacuum cleaners and washer and dryers. But it's all free money from the government. For those that cross the border, a couple gets $3,000 a month. Wow. You know, the poor people in Lahaina, in Hawaii, American citizens... Joe said, here's your $800. Yeah, you, you, got a trip to, you got a trip to Costco, enjoy it. They don't get $3,000 a month. So when we stop to really look at what's going on, America is being overthrown right now. You know, they don't have the votes they need to put a Democrat into office. Everyone knows that. In other words, the dead, the goldfish, the dead people that vote, the corruption that we find it's widespread. It's everywhere. They, they catch them cheating all the time. One congressman voted in his last district uh, a few months ago on a voting machine. The vote never showed up. He had zero votes, yet his wife, him, and his family voted for him, for him to be in, in, in uh, office, yet none of those votes even showed up from these wonderful voting machines. Well, something's wrong here, friends. So if you have to have goldfish voting for you and dead people and illegals voting for you, ought to give you a pretty good idea of the real moral fabric of this particular party. It's fact, everyone. If you have a chance, watch uh, 2,000 Mules. It'll cause your little toenails to curl because it ain't good. Nope, there's something wrong. Why there's no ceasefire demand on Russia, we don't know. You see, that's been going on for years, but it's bleeding America dry. Billions and billions a day. Ah, I'll tell you, friends, keep looking up. Our redemption draws nigh. Coming up on a break, we'll be right back. It all came down to the ultrasound, and I saw this little lima bean-looking thing with a halo. When this mom came to a preborn center, a baby wasn't really in her plans. I got to hear the heartbeat, and I got chills. In that moment, I just felt God's arms come around me and hug me and tell me that it was going to be okay. After hearing her baby's heartbeat and seeing her baby on ultrasound, this mom's plans changed. My choice to become a mom, hear those little footsteps running down the hallway every morning, is all because I had an ultrasound. 
sound, it saved my life and hers. When an expectant mother meets her baby on ultrasound, she is 80% more likely to choose life. Preborn's network of clinics are the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country and have rescued over 270,000 babies. To learn how you can rescue a baby's life, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. All gifts are tax deductible. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For many families, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the member satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. MediShare is a proven thing, too, for over 30 years. It's a Christian community of more than 400,000 members. And here's the thing. If you join before December 30th and you mention the promo code SHARE, you'll get another 10% off all of 2024. That's 12 months of savings. So I'll give you the number here in a second, but call. You'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline is December 30th. So call now. You'll save even more. Here's the number. 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. Welcome you back to part two of To Every Man and Answer here on this Tuesday with John Randall. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. And, um, you know, John, so many things going on in the world. You know, we need to be people of prayer, don't we? I would agree with you, Mike. You know, and, and just taking that, thinking about that last caller, talking about why is it that so much emphasis is placed on the situation in Israel, but this ongoing war in the Ukraine and Russia is suddenly taking a back seat and no longer front page news. I think one of the reasons, and it's good that we have a biblical perspective because um, the, I remember one person saying it, Mike, that Israel is God's timepiece and Jerusalem is the minute hand and the minute hand is rapidly approaching the the hour of midnight. And I think of, you know, Zechariah chapter 12, verses three and four says, God said, I will make Jerusalem like like an intoxicating drink that that makes the nearby nations stagger when they send their armies to besiege Jerusalem and Judah. And on that day, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock, and all the nations will gather against it to try to move it, but they will only hurt themselves. Again, there this is a prophecy concerning all of the nations that will eventually come against Israel. And it's just the stage is being set. The scaffolding is put in place. I mean, it, it's going to happen, and perhaps we're just seeing the beginnings of that as they increase with frequency and intensity, these birth pains that Jesus alluded to. So I'll tell you, we're in uh, some amazing times right now. And again, being about our daddy's business, so important. 8888, Ask CSN is the number to call if you'd like to be part of the program today. We're going to go to Bob in Southern California. Hi and welcome. Hi, Mike. Hi, John. Merry Christmas. Hey, Hey, thanks for calling back, by the way. I appreciate it. Uh, I got a question. Um, I want to pass out uh, Bible tracts, and um, I want to know, in your opinion, what is the most accurate for coming to Christ, salvation, and baptism? You mean in a chick track? Yeah, well, yeah, like a chick track. I mean, I was passing those out for a number of years, and somebody was telling me they're not accurate. 
I always like Chick Tracks. I think a lot of people read those and will never read anything else. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm not for sure. Uh, I'm not clear on what a the dip, what a chick track is. is. That different from a track? Is that is that? Yeah, a chick track. It's the one that like Holy Joe and they're the little cartoon tracks oh. that are that are written. They've got uh, all, all kinds of them uh, that are. They've been making them for golly, probably track. forty yeah. years. And oh yeah, uh, track. yeah, that's the little. Okay. It's a little comic book track that Chick puts out. Well, let me say this to you concerning tracks in general, Bob. Um, it was back in the 80s. It was the summer, uh, spring, actually it wasn't summer. It was spring break in the 80s in Palm Springs. And there was a young girl with some friends walking uh, down there in Palm Springs, not a believer. And somebody on the street handed her a track and she received it, put it in her purse, didn't think much about it. And left, went back to their hotel room and I don't know what, you know, whatever they're doing during spring break. But she had decided to read that track and she read it. And for the first time, she heard uh, in reading it, the gospel. Well, I've got great news. Uh, I, when I meet that person in heaven, I'm going to thank him because that was my wife. My wife received a track from somebody when she was down in Palm Springs on spring break. And I am grateful because that was something that God used that planted a seed in her life that got her to start seeking the Lord and thinking about her eternal destiny. So, man, I'm off. I'm a big fan <laughs> of tracks, Bob. And I think it's important that the tracks be biblically accurate, that they say what the Bible says and map out the plan of salvation. But I tell you what, God can use anything, and he certainly used it in my own life, and I'm, I'm grateful for it. So uh, I hope that helps. Yeah, it does. I, I mean, I've been passing out chick tracks for a long time. That uh, It's called This Was Your Life. That's the biggest track. And I just want to make sure I'm doing the right thing because I don't want to lead people astray. And uh, I don't want to be accountable for that on Judgment Day, you know? Yeah. No, I, I like Chick Tracks. I always, I always, uh, whenever I see them, I read them. And then I'll, I'll leave them someplace where somebody can pick them up and read them and things like that. So, you know, and to say, you know, you agree with every single doctrine that you find. I don't know you're ever going to do that. But one thing I know that Jack Trick, uh, Jack Chick Tracks do is always point people to Jesus Christ and your sins forgiven. And that, friends, is the main thing. So I hope that helps. Amen. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Bob. Stay in line if you like. I'll send you some things. If you like them, you can let us know. We'll send you out some more. Let's go to Daniel, Lexington, South Carolina. Hi, welcome. Uh, hello. Um, my problem is that I just don't feel like the, uh, when government acts, when governments don't act like Jesus, we give them a pass. Mm -hmm. And as individuals, we should be we should try to act like Jesus. And I just don't feel absolved from responsibility when I see children dying and on both sides. And honestly, it's a lot more than on one side or the other. But I, I just feel responsible as a Christian that my t well, you know, Daniel. Honestly, I, I agree with you. I, I hate to see anybody die. I, I do. Because their life is cut short, whether it's through abortion, whether it's through mutilation, whether it's through war, uh, whether it's through crime. I, I hate to see anybody die. But there are consequences that we all must understand. There's consequences in sin. When you start a war, there's consequences. My heart goes out to all the, all the children that lost their fathers on December 7th. 1941. 
My heart goes out to all those in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Their families were wiped off the face of the map. Uh, My heart goes out to all those people, but we have to realize there are consequences for sin. When you start a war, there's going to be consequences. That's the way it works. And until Jesus comes and sets up his thousand-year reign, I don't expect to see it ever change. Now remember something. When God, God, God sent the flood on the earth, men, women, children, babies died in the great flood. Now, I would say, well, what kind of a God is that? A God that brings a judgment upon a a world-rejecting, righteous-rejecting life. So, God's going to do it again. We find it called the tribulation period. It's just right around the corner. Jesus said it in Matthew 24, as in the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. The coming of the Son of Man Jesus is speaking of there is the rapture of the church. It is not the second coming. Because it says they were eating, drinking, marrying, and given in marriage, completely unaware of a pending judgment. When you look at the second coming of Christ, you find mere survival is all man has. You find all the oceans have turned to blood. Every living thing in the sea has died. All the grass is burned up. Famine is global. Two-thirds, almost two-thirds of the world's population is dead. So if you figure there's 8 billion people on the earth right now, you figure there's only going to be like maybe 4 billion people or 3 billion people left. It's going to be massive carnage. Now, that's not to say that babies go to hell, whether in the flood, whether in Palestine, or, or maybe I should say uh, the Palestinians, or whether, uh, or whether Jewish children. God's a fair God. But it does mean that God will judge them according to his love. And I believe that. So I believe the babies that died during the flood, I expect to see them in heaven. I expect to see Palestinian babies in heaven. I expect to see Jewish babies in heaven. See, that doesn't mean they're lost forever. But one thing we do know, there are consequences. And those consequences somehow in an immaculate society as we have, where we don't even want to talk about death and we glamorize it and all these kinds of things that uh, sometimes we try to forget about. Death is real. And again, consequences. You see, the Palestinians voted Hamas into their government. Choose wisely. They didn't. It cost them their nation. And so as you look at this, we have to understand there are certain things. And again, this is as old as man himself, where Cain kills Abel. Your thoughts, John? Yeah, some of the prophecies that we see, um, as the question was asked, um, you know, it, it appeared to him that, you know, pastors use prophecy to suit uh, the situation. But listen, there's a lot of prophecy in there that's that's difficult to read. It's painful to look at. It's it's hard. It was hard for the prophets to proclaim it. They didn't know what they were saying. They called Jeremiah the weeping prophet for a reason because of what God was showing him and what he had to say. And as he was warning the people. And, and I think when it comes to difficult prophecies, when it comes to difficult things in Scripture, we don't say it from this place of, we're judging people. I, I, the no. pastors that I know, we have broken hearts. It's the heart of Jesus who yeah. that breaks for people who are lost. And that's why it's our job to 
warn people. That's why the church is still here to be that light. And and we we don't again we don't say this from a, a mean spirited or we you know looking down. We're 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 pleading. You know, Paul talked about you know allowing the Lord to plead through us as as though you know Christ were pleading through us. That God was pleading through us. We are your ambassadors. That should be the heart. Of, of shepherds and pastors when it comes to dealing with prophecy, allowing the Lord to plead through us that people would be reconciled to God before it's too late. And it even says concerning Noah, he was a preacher of righteousness during that time, the Bible tells us in the New Testament. So that's our heart. Some of these things are difficult to watch, painful to watch, difficult to proclaim, but we still have a responsibility to tell people the truth in love. And and, um, and, and, and you know what's even worse, John, is according to what the scripture tells us, it isn't going to get better. It's going to yeah. get worse, and it's going to spread worse. They said right now in England, they're having just a plethora of, of Hamas attacks now in in England. Um, it's coming to America, friends. It just is. And we need to understand that um, the way people view life is very, very important. We used to view life as very much a gift of God. But when we murder some 70 million babies in abortion, we don't think much of life anymore, do we, as a nation? I believe that uh, people and political parties that rejoice in death, you're going to get more of it. And whatever you support, whatever you adore, whatever you permit, you will get more of. And God help us. Because I believe we are headed for a judgment. God has blessed America. You know, I was reading the book of Luke last night. And Jesus said to him, much is given, much is expected. And we've been given, I believe, more than probably any country in the entire earth. And look at the way we behave. Look at what our media adores. As you see men dressing up like women. As you see men putting a dress on and competing in women's sports, taking away all their scholarships. And this is normal in America now, friends. We don't even know what bathroom to go into anymore, do we? No, I think we're headed for a very, very hard spanking. And I just want to tell you again, from my heart to all of yours, especially at this Christmas time, you're going to be around friends and relatives you may never see again. Let your light shine. Don't be embarrassed to talk about Jesus and Jesus being the reason for the season. People say, well, you know, it's really great, you know, all that stuff. And just say, you know, and you know, I, I think if people would think about it, Christmas spells Jesus's name, Christ Mass. Yes, that's who he is. Jesus, the greatest gift the world has ever known. Hope that answers it for you. And um, again, uh, God bless you. And um I think we might have lost you, but if you call back, we'll do our very best to uh, get you out the package that we send everyone. Merry Christmas to you. Let's go to Ethan, Joplin, Missouri. Hi, welcome. How doing? Hi, good. How may we help? Well, uh, first of all, Pastor Mike, I, I just want to say that I listen to the show pretty regularly, and it's a, it's a great show. Um, all I can say is keep keep preaching Jesus. <laughs> we need more of that now more than Amen. ever. And thank you so much. Um, you know, Pastor Mike, I, I've heard you talk at different times about, about Seventh-day Adventists. 
And um, and I want to stress the fact that I, I'm not a Seventh-day Adventist. I disagree with a lot of what they have to say. But some of the things that you've said that they teach, I've heard at different times sermons from Seventh-day Adventists, and they don't actually teach them. And I know that you wouldn't want to misrepresent them, so, so I wanted to bring something to your attention, if I may. And well, very, be- very quickly, let me tell you. I don't, I've had great fellowship with many people that are Seventh-day Adventists that I believe are truly saved. They are not following the doctrine of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And you'll find this many places. I've had great fellowship with Catholics uh, and that have put Mary in her proper place. Uh, and I have great fellowship with Catholics as well that are really Christians. So I don't want to say, I don't want to say that uh, um, what I say is inaccurate. I am telling you what their prophetess, Ellen G. White, says. I'm telling you what they stand for. I get their doctrine. I see their, their, their things that they deliver to mailboxes here in our local community. You know, come here a seminar on Revelation. And man, hold on to your car keys, friends. You're going to go to the moon. Because again, this is not what this is not. Now, does that mean every Seventh-day Adventist believes that? No, of course not. Just as not every Catholic believes that Mary is a co-redemptist and you can pray to Mary to have your sins forgiven or Jesus. They, they know who Jesus is. They just think Mary's a blessed lady and praise God for her and they get on with the Lord. That's what's important. So I, I can't really go over what maybe you've ran into because I've ran into the same Seventh-day Adventists as an example that don't believe that, that don't believe that the, that the mark of the beast is worshiped on Sunday. But that's what their church doctrine teaches. Now, that doesn't mean an individual Seventh-day Adventist believes that. And again, what is the purpose of it? If Seventh-day Adventists worshiping on Saturday, again, is their dogma, why is it so important when Jesus said he was Lord of the Sabbath? Being a Seventh-day Adventist worshiping on Saturday adds zero, Z-E-R-O, to your spirituality. That's the truth. The early church met on Sunday. If you read Acts chapter 20, they came together and broke bread. Now, here's why I'm saying this. Not every, the, the people that I've ran into that were in the Seventh-day Adventist movement, a few of them, they don't believe that. They said, hey, let no man judge you, new moons and Sabbath. They accept what the Bible says over what their church dogma is. And that's what I'm saying. But what I tell people what the Seventh-day Adventist church believes about soul sleep, worshiping on Saturday, dietary laws, Sunday being the mark of the beast. Oh, no, that's what they stand for, everyone. And don't ever forget it. If you go into their church dogma, not an individual, but that. Any last thoughts on that, John? No, I would agree with that. You know, when, when you look at the foundation and what they started out believing, whether you go back to Mr. Miller and then followed by Ellen G. White and, and some of the things that they taught and you compare it with Scripture um, and it you, you'll find that it doesn't compare with Scripture and it's it's inaccurate, then then you really have to question, what am I following? If God's word is the guide, and and again, as you mentioned, and even to Ethan's point, um, there may be those who maybe they don't believe that in their particular um, Seventh-day Adventist church. Okay, but foundationally in their statement of faith, oftentimes and in certain things, they 
that that's where they came from. So so it's important to consider that. You know, is it biblically accurate? And I think that's that's really what we're emphasizing here: the foundation of it, and what is then the fruit of that. Um, and I think that's what that's what's really important. What we're seeking to to consider, whether it's the Sabbath, soul sleep. Uh, you know, loss of salvation, what they think about Christ, what they think about uh, investigative judgment, um, Satan as the scapegoat for our sins, et cetera, et cetera. These are things that were part and parcel with Seventh-day Adventism. Um, and, and that's, I think, what sometimes we, we point out. But again, Ethan, not every person that's in any particular organization, just go even outside of Seventh-day Adventism, believes what their church dogma oftentimes teaches. Hope that helps. Oh, yes, sir. And, um, and and just if I could briefly fit, fit in this one little thing, um, the ones I were was referencing were not actually just different people, lay people, if you were, within the Seventh-day Adventist movement, but um, several well-known preachers. And um, and the one thing I was going to mention is, is that they always say, is they will stress the fact, for example, what they say about the dietary laws and stuff, completely, completely disagree with that. You can't find that in Scripture. The Lord said to Peter, kill and eat. Yep. You know, it's, it's, it's clear and obvious that that's not true. And, and you know, they have that, and, and, and they will talk about the Sabbath day. And, but what they say in that is they will always, every, every Seventh-day Adventist I've ever heard preach will always stress the fact that we are saved by grace alone through Jesus Christ. And, and and they say with keeping the dietary laws, which once again I disagree with. They say with that, or or with worshiping on Saturday. They say Jesus said, "If you love me, keep my commandments." And so we believe Jesus commanded us that these are commands that Jesus has for us, and so we love him and that we want to obey him. But they do stress the fact. By the way, Jesus. Way. Yeah, just real quickly, Ethan. Jesus never commanded people to worship on Saturday. That's right. If you go to John chapter 12, Jesus said, I kept my father's commandments. Now you keep mine. Jesus said to love one another there in John chapter 12. And then he also says to love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Upon these two hang all the laws and the prophet. Jesus never said, never said that we have to keep the Ten Commandments. Jesus said, I kept the Ten Commandments, now you keep mine. And my commandments to you are only two, to love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and love your neighbor as yourself. If my spirituality comes from Jesus Christ, then what is the purpose of saying I'm more spiritual if I worship on Saturday? Well, we want to please God. No, that isn't what the Bible says. You please God every day. And this is where the problems come in. That one person, as Paul says, will esteem one day above another. Don't let anybody judge you according to new moons and Sabbaths. This is one of the problems. Now, I agree with certain things here. I think just because we have liberty to eat what we want doesn't mean maybe we should. I see what a lot of people eat today, and I think it goes far beyond dietary loss, friends. That ain't good for you. But the point is... It makes me no more spiritual. It makes me no more desirable for God. And I, uh, and, and I, and in other words, I'm not going to get more sweet so God will love me. No, no, that's not what the Bible says. So we have to understand that. But I can have fellowship with anybody that embraces the, the deity of Jesus Christ, 
that we're sinners saved by grace, that he's coming home to get us, and we're going to live eternally with him. And as the Bible says, if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not by joining a church, doing church mantras, or uh, you know other spiritual things we might do, go door to door, give all your money. No, all we need to do is simply confess our sins, acknowledge what he did for us on the cross, and his blood healed us. Hope that helps. It does. And if I may, I, I, from what you said, it, it leads to a quick question, something that I'm not clear on, and, I, and you can clear it up for me. That whenever you said that, um, that we're supposed to follow Jesus' commandments, mm-hmm. and, and he said he gave only, and as you said, he gave only two, does that mean that we don't have to follow any of the Ten Commandments anymore? The, all the Ten Commandments are summarized in two things. The first part of the Ten Commandments is our relationship with God. The last part of the Ten Commandments is our relationship with our fellow man. If you truly love your fellow man, you're not going to be slandering him. You're not going to be coveting what he has. If you truly love God in the first part of the commandments, you're not going to be using his name in vain. You're not going to carve some image to represent what God is like. See, it's all fulfilled in love in those two commandments. John, any last thoughts? Well, I would say, you know, what, what concerns me, Ethan, and I think where we have to be careful is you said it yourself, you know, yeah, I disagree with this particular thing that they say they believe, and that's unscriptural. However, they believe you're saved by grace. You know, I've sat down and talked with Mormons that believe you're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. They believe that Jesus is their savior. Now it's a different Jesus, but they say the exact same thing. I think you have to be careful when you want to pick and choose and then, and then say, well, loving Jesus is actually worshiping on Saturday and loving Jesus is actually you know, refraining and keeping these dietary laws. You know, that's why Paul wrote the book of Galatians. And I'd encourage anybody who's listening today, who's a Seventh-day Adventist, read the book of Galatians and find out what Paul said to those who were adding to the work of Christ. Listen, if you don't want to eat certain things, don't do it. But that doesn't make you love Jesus more. That That's not the reason for your salvation. Just because, If you want to worship on Saturday, great. I'll worship Jesus every day. And, but that doesn't mean I love him more because I, I don't, I, I worship him on this day versus that day. Let no one judge you in new moons or Sabbaths or what you eat. Paul said in Colossians chapter two, no, it's not about that. And so that's where I think you have to be careful of that little leaven, Ethan, of, of a, a little leaven of legalism that will permeate your entire understanding of the gospel. And so personally for me, I, I'm going to avoid that. I'm going to stick to what the scriptures say. And, um, and I think when they're off on that point, you know, then they're off on some other things as well. And that, that would concern me. And that yeah, would be my it, it, isn't, it isn't the good jelly beans that hurt you. It's the ones that were dropped in the rat poison that got mixed in with the good jelly beans. Those are the ones that'll hurt you. And see, this is where you have to be very careful because what you believe is how you live your life. And so that, I believe that's why it's so important. Stay in line. If you like, send you out the movie Jesus, uh, some other things I think you'll really enjoy, Ethan. Share them with your friends. Merry Christmas to you. And for Chris, Don, the rest, please call us back. We'll put you on first thing tomorrow and uh, look forward to being back with you. John, thanks so much for being on. Love your love your uh, radio show, A Daily Walk. Comes on an hour before to every man and answer. Good to, good to have you on with us. God bless you and good night. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226. 
or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 